must share with you as I start today the way the Lord provides. I said last week as I sat before you that I wasn't sure where I was going to go next. I had loved preaching on the concept of following Jesus. I sort of felt like and others felt like that I had come to the end of that as far as that series was concerned. And I said, well, I'm just not sure what is next. Well, I hold in my hand what is next. <laughs> because I went back to my desk. I had not noticed this. I had not picked it up. But somewhere in the process, I hope you can see, but this says it's all about the gospel. And I picked up this card that is from our North American Mission Board, I used to call it and still do sometimes, the Home Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, for which I have a great deal of respect and thankfulness for the ministry. And they just sent out this card for I'm not even sure what the total purpose was, but it had its purpose as I picked up this just last week. And I said, well, that is it. Now, how long will we spend on it's all about the gospel? I do not know. One Sunday, ten Sundays. Five Sundays, four Sundays. I don't know. But it must be, and I'm going to say that emphatically, it must be all about the gospel. Now, I'm going to read a scripture that was written by a fellow by the name of Paul. And then we're going to talk a little bit about him. And then we're going to talk more about the way he affirmed and believed in and preached, even as Scott shared with us earlier. But this scripture is from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And we're going to get there, I bet. Let's go ahead. Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I want you to let that sink in, please. This is Paul. And we're going to talk about the way Saul used to be in just a moment. We're just going to remind ourselves and review. But now he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile, that means everybody. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now please remember and be reminded, and let's think back a little bit, to when this writer, this man, this apostle by the name of Paul, before he wrote this, he was called Saul. And Saul was the chief opponent to what was called then the way. The Christian way, the Jesus Christ way. The movement that was about. Uh, the movement that Jesus instituted when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Saul was murderous, it, so it says in the ninth chapter of Acts. 
He was murderous in his threats against people that believed in Jesus Christ. And he had gone to the high priest and asked for the names. He was headed toward a town called Damascus. You know this story, but please latch on to it again this morning. But he was going to a town by the name of Damascus, and he wanted to know everybody that was in Damascus that believed in this crazy man named Jesus Christ. That's what Saul thought, felt, because this crazy man was in Saul's mind and in many of the minds was destroying the Jewish religion. And so Saul was out to put in prison. And remember, it says that he had murderous threats. What does that mean? He was ready to kill him. And he was headed to Damascus. And then we're told that beautiful, wonderful thing that a light flashed all around him. And Saul fell to the ground. And he heard this voice and it said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Lord, Lord, who is this? And I, the voice said, I am Jesus Christ whom you persecute. And now Saul is on the ground. And all the people around him had heard and seen and felt, but they did not know. And they picked Saul up and he opened his eyes. Could he see? Now there's a message right here for you and me. Because Saul had been living in darkness. And now he was physically blind. He could not see. And Jesus told him to go into the town. And that he would be told what to do. The story goes on. That they took Saul into the town. And they put him up in a house. But he did not see. He did not eat. He was afflicted by this experience. And then Jesus, in a vision, went to a man by the name of Ananias. And Ananias was a believer, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, Ananias, go to the city, go to the street of Judas, and find this man named Saul. He is blind but you're going to help him to see. Now, what did Ananias do? Ananias was scared to death. <laughs> Why was he scared to death? Murderous threats, persecution. Ananias had heard about Saul. And so what did Ananias say? Jesus, I've heard about this man. I've heard how he is doing terrible things to believers. Basically, Ananias was saying, Jesus, I don't want to go. I am frightened. And what did Jesus say to Ananias? One word. Go. Now, you and I have heard Jesus say that before. Therefore, go. But Ananias, you're to go. And so Ananias went. And he ministered to Saul. And Saul became one with sight. And the scriptures say that Saul believed, was baptized, and within just a few days, what was Saul, Paul, doing? He was saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Paul was preaching this gospel. Now, what did, what did Paul think about the gospel? There, and I appreciate so much what Scott shared a moment ago. Because that is one of several, several, several passages that indicate that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, much the contrary. He was involved in sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, celebrating it, being persecuted for it, being taken to jail, being beaten, being stoned, being threatened. Paul was a man of strength. Why? Because of the gospel. Now, I said, and there are several passages that indicate that Paul was totally in favor, totally affirming the gospel. But I want to share a couple with you. And this one is from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Verses 22 through 25. So we'll look at that for a moment. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 25. Paul is writing all of these statements. He says, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Now I'm going to stop there and let you just let that soak in a little bit. That is the gospel. That is the gospel for which Paul is not ashamed. That is the gospel that we must hang on to. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. We must understand that Paul... Scripture is saying that the gospel is the power of God and you and I are called to live in the power of God. Another place that Paul speaks very affirmatively of the gospel is in Colossians 1, 21 through 25. And I want you to look at this. I want you to think about this. And I'm going to say here at the outset that this passage of Scripture has a special meaning to this man that is speaking right now, myself. And I will tell you about that. But here in Colossians, the first chapter, verses 21 through 25, Paul says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now that's speaking to you and me. I want that to sink in. Once we were enemies. That's a terrible word. Why? Because we were involved in evil behavior. But once you were alienated, that means separated from God. But then verse 22, but now he has reconciled you. We've talked about that word. We talked about it last week. Now he has reconciled you. He has redeemed you. He's turned you around. He's brought you the other direction. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the what? The gospel. 
it's over and over and over and over in the message of Scripture and from the writings of Paul. This gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now there we get a very powerful statement. And he goes on and he says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant, a servant to serve out and to preach what? The gospel. I have become its servant by the commission of God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. Now, just a personal word. I said this passage of Scripture has a great deal of meaning to me. Some 25 or 30 years ago, now I've been in the ministry for 60 years, for which I'm deeply grateful. And I had done several things. I had been a missionary. I had been a counselor. I had been a minister of education. I had taught conferences here and there. I had done several things that God had led me in. But I'd never felt called to pastor, to be a shepherd for God's church. I lived in Pennsylvania at the time. I was a, a campus minister, which I loved. College students, exciting, fun, meaningful, young adults. But I was seeking something more. I knew somewhere in my spirit that there was something else that God was saying to me. And in reading scripture one particular day, and I think it was, in, it was in 1997, I read this scripture right here that I'm talking to you about, where Paul was saying that he had become a servant to the gospel. And he was saying that he wanted, for the sake of his body, the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. I read this scripture in 1997. What's that? 25, 26 years ago. And I wrote out beside it in my Bible that I love. I am to be a pastor. Now that was 26 years ago. And like I say, I'd had wonderful opportunities for the first 30 plus years of my ministry. But then God was saying, Don, you're to be a shepherd. You're to be in the local church. You're to be involved with God's people in what is to be preached and led and taught. And that is the gospel. That which is lacking in the church. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. 1997. I left Pennsylvania and I came to Virginia Beach. And I started a church. I want you to know, and for this I'm very thankful, that I have been a pastor in the last, for solid, for the last 26 years. <laughs> I've pastored churches, I've been interim pastor, I've been transitional pastor, and now I'm very thankful to be your transitional pastor 
here at King's Grand Baptist Church because we're in the process of honoring and fulfilling what we're talking about, that it's all about the gospel. But now let's go back to Paul because he is about to describe something for which he is hurt deeply. Because what is he doing? He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the truth of Jesus Christ crucified. That's what we've been reading about. But now in the book of Galatians, and we're going to spend some time here today and maybe in future Sundays, but in the book of Galatians, the first chapter, Paul launches very quickly, actually in verse 6. You know, he made his first greetings to the people at Galatia as he usually did in his writings. But now in verse 6 and following, Paul launches into a, well, let's call it for what it is, a serious reprimand. He is saying, I am horrified. I am astonished. I am disappointed. I cannot believe. And so let's read it. Galatians 1. Starting with verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, leaving the one who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, as I have said many times when we look at stories like this, this is not just a historical statement. These stories, these statements are for you and I to pay attention to. Because the people in Galatia were going through terrible heresy. They were going through terrible mistakes. They were moving away from the true gospel. And Paul, in all of his affirmation of gospel, was horrified. He says, I am astonished that you are deserting the truth that I have given to you. Well, the lesson for you and me is what? Do I desert? Do I leave the calling and the truth of the gospel? Do you leave? Do you desert the very truth of Almighty God through Jesus Christ? Please think about that and hold that before the Lord. And he goes on to say, you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. There is only one gospel. One gospel, and that is Jesus Christ and his life, his teachings, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the fact that he is coming again. And I'd love to hear everybody, at least in your mind, say amen to that, but I'm not asking for that, but that is the truth. All right, so there is just one gospel. It goes on there in verse 7, which is really no gospel at all, evidently. Some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What does the word pervert mean? It means distort. It means to twist around, to take something that is to be and make it not be. Perversion. We use that word a great deal because our world is perverted. Our world has all sorts of perversions. But now Paul is saying that this confusion that has come into the Galatian Christians, that somebody is trying to pervert or twist the gospel around. Now, who were these people that were trying to pervert? Do you know the term Judaizers? 
I hope you do. It's a fairly well-known term. The Judaizers were Jewish people that were at least seeking to believe in Christ, were wanting to follow Christ, but what were they doing? They were saying just to follow Christ is not enough. Now please take these lessons. Please see what the Lord is saying to you and me. They were saying Jesus Christ is not enough. And they were saying to the people in Galatia and all throughout this known, Paul spends a lot of time combating this heresy. The Judaizers were saying, you have got to follow the Mosaic law, the 635 laws that we have in the Jewish religion, while you also are believing in Christ. And most of all, for you men, you have to go through the rite of circumcision. They were twisting the pure grace and truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So he says that they're perverting the gospel of Christ. But verse 8, he goes on and says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now please pay attention to the words. I didn't write the words. In fact, we have to say that even though Paul penned the words, Paul didn't write the words. The Holy Spirit wrote the words. And he's saying, now if you preach any other gospel, the fact is, is that you, we, any of us, an angel from heaven, if they preach another gospel, we are to be eternally, what? Condemned. Folks, that's a very serious term. I don't think you like to think about that. I don't like to think about it. But if I distort or pervert the gospel, it's saying that we then are to be eternally condemned. Verse 9, and he goes here to repetition. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than that, what is what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. He said it now twice. Please understand the concept of repetition in Scripture. It's very, very important. And now Paul is saying condemnation is deserved by those who distort, pervert the gospel, try to put in some other kind of gospel. Please hang on to that. He says, am I trying to win approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would have not been a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Now, I just want that statement to sink in for a moment. There are all sorts of people that think we're crazy to believe this stuff. Oh, it's just something somebody made up. It's just a legend. It's just a story. It's just something that people want you to believe. It's a crutch. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. It is the truth of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And we, we must accept it as a gospel. He says it is not something that man made up. 
I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it from Jesus Christ himself. And we're going to stop right there with that part of our discussion. Now, I want to ask you a question. Very important question. Do we have gospels other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we believe other gospels? Are we confronted with other gospels? Have we been taught other gospels? Now, I'm just going to ask you to examine yourself. I'm going to examine myself. But Paul has just now said, Scripture has just now said, that if we preach or teach or believe or live our life according to other gospels other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ and all that he means to you and me in our relationships with him. If we live according to other gospels, it's saying that we're to be eternally condemned. Well, the fact is, is that if we do not have a relationship with Christ, if we have not accepted Christ, then what are we? Eternally condemned. Now, I am going to say to you, I'm just going to mention two or three things that I'm concerned about. Because sometimes I think we have the gospel of personal preferences. Hmm. I heard the groans. I groan also. I suffer from that sometimes. You suffer from that. We say, well, I don't quite like that. Or why do we do it that way? I really want it to be this way. I would say that might be considered the gospel of personal preferences. Now, this next thing I'm going to say, please understand, I absolutely love the church. I absolutely am committed to the church. That's what I'm saying. But do we sometimes have the gospel according to church traditions and programs? We believe in the church. We spend our time focused on the church. Now, Remember, I love the church, and I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love the fact that he wants us to be gathered as men and women believing in him and honoring the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I am concerned that sometimes we, feel we spend more time wrapped up in all of the stuff that we do churchy-wise. And I'm not even sure that's a word. But you understand what I'm saying. Now, do I believe in Bible study? Do I believe in the church? Do I believe in so much of what we do? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. But if it is wrapped in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it is correct and true. If it is just program-oriented, or if it's just, oh my gosh, here's another gospel. The gospel of, well, we've always done it that way. Yeah. Now, I'm not just throwing rocks at you. 
I'm talking about things I've struggled with. I've talked about things that the church struggles with. I've talked about things that we struggle with right here at King's Grand. The gospel of, well, we've just always done it that way. That's not a gospel. That's not what we're to focus on. Now, again, if Jesus is calling us to do it that way, and if it's a part of his truth and a part of his grace and a part of what he wants for us, then by all means we are to do it that way. But that's not what always happens. It's just, well, it's what I'm used to. It's the culture. No. It's got to be the true gospel. Or what? We and others are eternally condemned. Now, I have one more that I must say. And it's, oh my goodness, if I have any crusade in my life, this that I'm about to say is the crusade. We do have, and the church of Jesus Christ struggles desperately with what I'll call the gospel of legalism. Rules and regulations. We have to do it this way in order for God to love us. If, if you'll do it this way, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, 200, 300, rules and regulations, whatever they are, if you will get it straight and live according to this, then God will love you. I want to tell you something. I'm thrilled about the fact that, yes, I have been a counselor for 50 years. I would say 97% of the people that I've seen in the past 50 years are Christian people or church people. If we would get rid of the gospel of legalism, my business would have gone away a long time ago. Most, I'm, I haven't kept count, but most of the people that sit across from me in a counseling office have been injured, lied to, destroyed, disillusioned by the gospel of legalism. That is not what Paul preached. That is not what Jesus gave us. Remember the phrase? We talked about it last week. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is unconditional love and grace. Now, yes, I believe in living a pure life. Yes, I believe in living a Christian life, following the principles and the example of Jesus Christ. Yes, but we do that after we have taken this love and this grace and this forgiveness into our lives. Legalism says you got to do it before. Folks, legalism is an out-and-out -out lie from Satan causing desperate injury to the church and to its people. And some of you sitting here today have suffered from that, either in your family or in your former church or even right here. Got to follow these rules and regulations. Now, again, yes, we are to live a, a righteous life because of Christ in our life. Don't, 
Please don't mistake in me. Please. But we are not condemned to get it right, to get straightened out, so that then Almighty God will love us. That is an absolute... We are discarding the cross of Jesus if we believe in legalism. So, what am I saying to me and to you today? What's Paul saying? What's Scripture saying? It's all about the gospel. And what kind of gospel are we talking about? We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of birth and life and teaching and love and acceptance and all that he did and all that he's taught us through the Holy Spirit for the last 2,000 years. And all that he did even before he came as the pre-incarnate Jesus and the heritage that we have in the Jewish people and the fact that, that his love is for you and I as Gentiles or if there's anybody here that is a Jewish believer. And I've told you, my name is Solomon. I just pray that I've got Jewish blood somewhere in me. Because I want to be chosen twice. Do you understand that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ? And without it, and I'm going to go back to that original scripture, because without it, we are powerless. I want you to hear that again because Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Do you understand that the only way you and I can have power in this place, in this church, for the ongoing of the kingdom of God is to celebrate and to teach and to preach and to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be ashamed of it but to share it to be a part of it to declare it at every corner without that we are powerless truth yes yes as we finish today Thank you for giving me your attention. I feel this emphatically, powerfully, that it is all about the gospel. And we like to have a time of reflection or a time of invitation, or we do it a little differently off and on, different Sundays. Today, I want to stand up, to step over here, and ask the guys at the back to raise the screen. Because that right there is the symbol of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our time of reflection today, and every, always, if anyone wants to make a decision, join this wonderful church, accept Jesus Christ and his gospel during these next two minutes. We're going to just sit and I want you to look. Don't close your eyes. I want you to look right now. Don't look at me. Yes, you can listen to my voice and I'm going to stop talking in just a moment. 
But I want you to reflect on. I want you to think about. I want you to realize that that cross and that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that died on that cross 2,000 years ago, that, that is the gospel. Please think on that. Lord Jesus, help each one of us in this room. Help us to see you, to hear you, to know you, to know that you are the truth, the way that we're to follow. And I pray earnestly that all of us will be committed to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't come to this point without thanking you. And I always feel so inadequate to thank you. How do we thank you for the gift of grace and freedom and forgiveness and love and eternal life? How do we thank you? And the thing that comes to my mind, and I thank you for this thought, is that we thank you by living by the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The only gospel. Sharing it, teaching it, preaching it, witnessing it, being a part, because we are thankful it is all about the gospel the good news that you have given us. And we thank you deeply. And bless each one of us with this truth day by day. And we always pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in peace. And anyone that wants to speak to me, please come feel feel free to come up here and speak to me. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.